fifth issue for all women. Hello, Hannah here and welcome to this week's Sunday Chops. Tonight, that's Sunday the 23rd of April, if you're listening to this on day of release, the BAFTA Television Craft Awards are dished out. And in this Chops, I'm talking to one of the nominees in the writing for comedy category, Nancy Harris. Nancy is a playwright and now screenwriter, originally from Dublin, now based in London, and her excellent series, The Dry, was made by RTE and Britbox and is now available to watch on ITVX. And I absolutely suggest you do, not least because this interview may be a bit spoilery for your liking otherwise. The Dry tells the story of Shiv, played by Rushing Gallagher, who leaves London to go back to Dublin when her grandmother dies and then announces she's staying with her family because she's been struggling to stay sober for six months and thinks that they can help her. Reader, whether they can or indeed want to, is explored over the next eight episodes and it's a rather wonderful slice of television. Take that from someone who knows more than they'd like to about having alcoholics in the family. I wish Nancy all the best of luck in tonight's awards and one last reminder, the following interview contains spoilers. Hello and welcome to Standard Issue, Nancy Harris. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to start by saying big congratulations. Just got a BAFTA nomination in the Best Writer for Comedy category. How does that feel? Like mind-blowing, to be honest. I didn't expect it at all because the show has had quite a low profile in a way. Mm. Uh, here. It was on Britbox and it's an Irish made show and you know Britbox and RTE the Irish channel and and I I don't know I didn't I just didn't expect it I didn't know that that it had had that impact so it's really it's just lovely it's so it's so wonderful and thrilled yeah without wanting to do Britbox down obviously you know BBC (laughs) and Channel 4 tends to dominate those categories year after year after year so I was delighted when I saw that you were on there but I have to say I was a little bit surprised too it's not like it's a show that there was lots of other shows of the same type on Brickbox. It was sort of mm. there on its own as a comedy drama. And so that was the other thing is you, you tend to find things when you go, oh, that was on that streamer and maybe they'll make something else that's mm. a bit similar. And I felt like the dry was its own thing. It sat kind of on its own on Brickbox. But I was thrilled that they made it and that they came in and they were so behind it, which they really were. It's on ITVX. So it's it's under ITVX's umbrella now. Everyone should definitely watch it. Now it's more widely available. Now, there's actually a lot of Irish women in the BAFTA category. Sharon Hawkins in there, Lisa McGee, and also, she's second generation Irish, but Barunka O'Shaughnessy is also in there yes, as well for Motherland. Motherland, yeah. Is this the Sharon Hawkins effect, do you think? Has she made a difference to... Of writing oh I think she has I mean she's amazing I, I just think she's incredible whether it's the Sharon Horgan effect or whether it's that people have caught on to a certain type of humor I don't know but I think she's amazing and I'm a big fan <laughs> this is actually your first thing that you've written for television isn't it first thing I've created and written yeah now when I wrote a review of it I said it was beautifully written which you can take credit for that was beautifully acted and it was beautifully soundtracked did you have any say in, in those second two, in the casting and in the soundtrack? Yes, I did, because I was the exec producer on it. So you get approved, you know, you come in, the, mm. like you're in constant conversation about particularly casting, because this show took eight years to get made. Wow. So when you've lived something for that long, 
it just was really important that myself and the director, Paddy Bernock, had a very similar view on how those characters came across. And so the casting was kind of key. That was, I think that was something I probably had a big say on. But the soundtrack is amazing as well. It's Circa Richardson and Ebreg, amazing Irish singer-songwriters. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. loved it. Um, yeah, we're straight on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you also get eight episodes rather than the conventional six that you do get yes. generally with, with the Beeb and more often than not with Channel 4. That does give the story a bit more space to breathe. It does. It does. I think it takes it out of the classic just comedy, which mm. tends to be six. And it does. I mean, now I kind of don't know how you'd fit all the story into six because it was kind of, we were wavering. Would we do six? Would we do eight? And I just felt eight gave us a bit more breath because really, while it does centre on Shiv, you know, the recovering alcoholic, it was always intended to be a family show that had where every single person in the family has an arc. And that would be really hard to do, I think, in six episodes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I genuinely loved, loved, loved Bernie, who is Pomboid, who is She's uh, amazing. your main character's mum. And I feel like that would what would be missing if you had to have six episodes. That would be, you know, she would have less to do because of just time restrictions. And yet she's got, she's just been made redundant. So she's got this sort of general feeling of malaise that happens to people then. She's also really interesting because they do to her, I have to say what my family is guilty of, of doing to my mum, which is to kind of make her a sort of a figure of fun within the family. And then also she gets this, this brilliant storyline about her next door neighbour, which I knew she was right. I knew she was right. <laughs> and yeah, I knew if that was my mum, I would be doing what her kids were doing. What they were doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was really cleverly done. That was really important to me that she was right because she has been sort of forgotten. But she's also, she's tough. She's the tough one on ship. You know, that relationship between the two of them is an interesting, because that was sort of the dynamic of, you know, in my own family, there's uh, obviously, you know, that what would draw me to write about something like this is there's alcoholism and luckily recovery, a sobriety in my yeah. family. So immediate family and extended family is what I mean when I say family. But within a large family, you get that kind of sense of are they really an alcoholic or is it that they've just made a mess of their life? Yeah. And, you know, and that feels very much Bernie's judgment of Shiv is that like well is this the new thing now she's an alcoholic yeah and also Bernie's own drinking is uh being highlighted constantly subtly in the show and so it's sort of like do we when somebody holds a mirror up to us do we become defensive about it so she's harder on Shiv than anyone else and yet she herself has a quite a hard you know a lonely story of her own Mm. so it's trying to get those relationships really rounded so that you both felt for Bernie, but could see how tough she was on Shiv, could see that there was stuff going on for her too. All, all that felt felt like rich territory, but what we what we have to really carefully navigate in a show like this, I think. Yeah. So let's start with the alcoholism. What what drew you to that as a plot line? Because we were just talking off mic, but everybody who listens to this will know. My, my dad was an alcoholic and everybody's experience of it is different. But at the yeah. same point, certain things are true for everyone. And so that seems a bit of a thankless task, writing about alcoholism, because it seems like a lot of people will say, well, that's absolutely not what it was like for me. Whereas I would say, I think, you know, that's absolutely not what it was like for me because it wasn't my sibling. It was my father. 
But that said, the universal truths, I think you got absolutely correct. The least of which of being is just one day, can't this just be about me? Why does it always have to be about this other person? So that is actually what drew me to the, to the subject. That So I'm from a family, immediate and extended, where there's quite a few people sober. And my grandparents' generation, who were very Catholic, very conservative, you know, they didn't believe in sex before marriage. They went to mass every Sunday. They didn't believe in divorce. They were big, big drinkers. Mm-hmm. And quite a few of their children went, got sober and went into, some went into recovery. The interesting thing is not everybody got sober in the same way. So even within the amount of people that are sober, there is kind of tension, not tension, but there's disagreement on what sobriety takes. So some people in in the family for instance, really embraced the recovery model, the 12 steps went mm. down that route. Other people were like, you know, you don't need to be doing that. Just give up. Give up. Problem is solved. And the recovery people were like, well, no, because you give up and then you have to feel the feelings and you've got to look at what you did and the shame and the lies. You know, that's only the beginning. And the people that had given up just kind of, went, well, you just want to go into a room and make a big song and dance out of and talk about yourselves. And so there was kind of this disagreement in among the people that were sober about what sobriety was and then there was this kind of tension between my grandparents who were big drinkers and their children who were suddenly looking at the way they were drinking the way their parents generation had drunk and thinking actually just drinking in general is not we're not healthy drinkers in our families so I grew up with that kind of in the generation above me and then I've had kind of a lot of dealings with addiction when I've had relationships with people in active addiction and friends in addiction and so it just sort of was something that came up in different ways and as you say nobody's had the same experience of it but what it felt to me was that it was always examined dramatically in the same way and I felt there was probably a richer way to look at the subject not just from the perspective of somebody trying to get sober but also from all of the people around them who are affected directly and indirectly by it. Yeah. And even beyond drinking, there's this, there's a family with a sadness that they're yeah. not talking about. Absolutely. It was like what's under the drinking was also something I was interested in. So it, it began with a sort of an autobiography. Not, it's not autobiographical, I feel crucial to say, but it began with that kind of personal experience. And then I was like, well, how can I develop that and look at all the different ways this affects people truthfully because we arrive when we arrive within the family we arrive at a funeral and you know we sort of drop straight in and we have our main character Shiv who's saying she's given up drinking and you, you might look at her family at that point and think they're being quite harsh to her you know yeah but as it goes on more and more is revealed and of course you know there's there's backstory they've reasons not to trust her they've reasons to roll their eyes to heaven they've reasons to resent her there's a beautiful scene where uh, her sister unleashes on her about all the money that she's had off her over the years and never seen again and like I say it's hard with those because you have to try and let that stuff go but also sometimes it really riles you and sometimes you just have to say okay let's do a list of the things, of the reasons that I'm still absolutely furious with you that I've never had an apology for. So mostly because you can't remember a huge amount of them, which, yeah. Yeah. But as you point out, you know, it was interesting because I was like, how could I get the story of how how difficult it is to try and get sober, which it really is. It's a huge thing. Mm. And and I've often gravitated to people who are sober because I think they're very... They look at themselves. They've done all the work of the dark night of the soul. They're some of the wisest people you yeah. know because they've really done that soul searching and they've looked at themselves truthfully. 
So I wanted to show that journey, but I also went, and I know this from experience, that when you're in a family with somebody, even if they get sober, sometimes it's just, you never get the attention. And I felt like those siblings, even if she's the black sheep, she's still, everyone in the family is still focused on her. And you've got the sister that's trying to do everything perfectly and never getting any attention. And so there was, I just thought those things are really rich. Like, how can you tell it from everyone's perspective, actually? show that the really difficult thing of getting sober but also the really difficult thing of being a sibling of somebody who has an addiction yeah and of course all that stuff you say about people who've who've done the work you know that is quite terrifying because even if you're not an alcoholic the idea that for anyone to look at themselves in a really sort of scathing way it scares us all yeah it's terrifying to what is the truth of yourself and these are people that have really done that work that have looked at everything they've done have taken responsibility It's an extraordinary, I think, a very brave thing to do. Yeah. How do you feel about Shiv? How do you you want us to feel about Shiv? I obviously went through moments of really liking her, really resenting her, to pitying her. And then I think... Have you ever seen The Station Agent? No. It's a film uh, with Peter Dinklage in. And he um, he's living in a small town, so he's, he stands out, obviously, because he, he's a dwarf. And there's a scene where he gets drunk in a pub and then stands up on a chair and starts shouting, everybody look at me. You die inside every time you see it because it's so terrible. And, and I have to say, you have a moment in this. Shiv has a moment in this where I was just like, oh, I think I might vomit. My cars are churning so much at watching this. So at that point, yeah, I was really confused. I kind of hated her. I kind of pitied her. How, how do you feel about her? How do you want us to feel about her? I think exactly what you've just said. I think, I I mean, I think it's an extraordinary performance by Roisin Gallagher. I just, mm. she's an amazing actress. And I think she navigated, because I don't think it's your typical alcoholic. I mean, I think one of the interesting, and, and by that, I mean what we typically associate yeah. with the idea of alcoholic yeah. versus alcoholic. In that I think Shiv's quite a sensitive person and yes. she's clearly used alcohol as a way of navigating her life. But she's infuriated. I mean, the things that I, what I wanted to do was show how just because she's given up the substance doesn't mean the addictive part of her is gone. And really, that was activated by the ex and how quickly she will re look for that high or look for that escape. And how that's always, you know, when you when you have an addiction, I know this from from lots of people, and, and I can even understand it even in myself. Of you, when you give up one thing, you're like, well, what else can I replace it with? You know, she comes home, really in, in probably recovery terms, to the worst place she could go, which yeah. is to her family, and then, and can't cope with them, and is trying to stay off the drink. And so this kind of ex arrives. As a, and, and the interesting thing about him is, while initially you're like, oh God, he is kind to her at moments. He offers her things. And so it's kind of taking those crumbs. So I wanted to show the, you both had empathy, but infuriated. And she does some quite questionable things like Marley. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, she really does. She's not even yeah. drunk then, so you can't even say. But then again, it's being drunk an excuse. It, it, it does It does ask a lot of interesting questions. Yes, and they're both doing, I, I think they're both in an addictive relationship because he's trying to escape responsibility and she's trying to escape her family so that's really if you think of addiction as escape Mm. then that is what they're doing yeah a sort of generational divide between the generation let's my generation say generation x which is open to ideas of like you know like therapy or you know 
different ways of eating, different ways of looking at after yourself and that sort of brick wall of this is nonsense. That I, I can remember trying to persuade my mum once that she should go to counselling after my dad died. And uh, it was like I'd said, you should go and see a witch doctor. It was insane to her. <laughs> she was just like, what are you talking about? Why would I do that? And I think that's done really well in this. And I do wonder, is Ireland more open to that sort of stuff or are we more open to it here? I, I, I don't know. I suspect Ireland is a little bit more open to it than here because I think here, I've lived here for quite a while, like o- over 10 years. And so I think there's a scepticism here about um, psycho- psych- psychoanalyzing yeah. things too much. And there's a, you know, there is that kind of traditional, st- I mean, I think people, of course, are open to it. But I think they're a little bit more, but there is still that scepticism. And I do think there is a generational divide between my generation, the younger generation, who are really open to kind of everything, almost to the point you're like, are you going to be open to literally everything? Yeah. And that kind of generation that's like, you know what, talking about yourself is not it's not going to help. Yeah. That from the She says in the show, like, what do they do in these meetings? Just go sit in a room and talk about themselves. Yeah. And I, I think I've heard that. Yeah. In real life. Because it's, it's interesting because my grandparents were Irish. So there's quite a lot of stuff that that my my parents will do that I would describe as Irish, you know, like being very, very sort of sceptical about that stuff, being really secretive, those things. But of course, you know, Ireland itself has moved on and they're sort of, they've, they've got this, the, the sort of Irishness that came over with their parents when they came over, which is, which is an interesting thing. I think. Yeah, I think it has moved on. And I think, you know, actually, I've been really interested in how much people have wanted to have this conversation in Ireland about about drinking, Mm. because I think even our attitudes to drinking in Ireland has really changed. I know quite a lot of people that just have decided to stop drinking so much. But I still think there's that kind of generational sort of nervousness about about addiction as a label mm. i think i think the second i think we still regard an addict as something other as something extreme as something not of our world uh, and and actually one of the the shock the kind of surprising things was one critic said she didn't look like an alcoholic and the point of the show was we don't actually know what an alcoholic looks like and I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, but didn't, isn't that not what we're trying to say from the very beginning? Like, in, they even say to her, you don't look like an alcoholic. And mm. so, but I thought, well, obviously that is something that is not, people still don't really know. And and there is kind of comedy in that idea, yeah. actually. You know, a lot of people, both alcoholic, sober and not, they, none of them look the same. You'd never look at them in a room and necessarily say he looks like an alcoholic. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. I've, I've got a friend who, who fell off the wagon after 20 years, 20 years they've been successfully straight and if people hadn't known the story of what he was before and then saw what happened to him afterwards they'd have been like what the hell has happened and did he go straight back drinking like was he just on, on uh, his, the his, his, his was his was drugs but yes he yeah and it, and it did not end well and yeah after 20 years so it's it's always it's always there it's always a risk you are never fully recovered i think that's another point which is an extraordinary mm. thing to have to live with every day. Yeah. That every single day you're making a choice not to do something. Yeah. It's an extraordinary thing. I mean, it's a huge, if you're not somebody doing that, you might forget how hard that could be. Yeah. Yeah. After 20 years, it's not just in you. It's still an active choice not to, not to use. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
It's terrifying. <laughs> so it's absolutely yeah. terrifying. I have to say it's one of the reasons that I'm really glad that alcohol just stopped agreeing with me at some point in my 30s. And I just thought, here's a blessing. And I, I think that's a lot of people. I think a lot of people have that experience. Where yeah. Just, yeah. If you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I've, got, I've got a pretty high percentage chance of becoming an alcoholic. It's, it's yeah, once you've grown up. Well, you were saying that. We were house. saying before we went on mm. air that that's, when it's in your family, drinking is never neutral, really. Yeah. Yeah, not at all. Are we going to have more, Nancy? Is there a series two on the way? There is a series Hooray! two. So we're, <laughs> so we're actually um, about, we're about a month away from filming. Oh, and so, yeah, so, yeah, so I'm in frantic rewrite mode. But yeah, so it's sort of, it's developing on. I mean, I, I it was, it was kind of easy to have a series two because I, in my brain, I had all the, all the stories, but it felt, it feels like it probably opens up a little bit wider across the family. You start to get to see them all a bit more. Great. Yeah. There's some lovely little side characters there. I'd like to see more. There's some nice side characters. And then there's some interesting stuff about what happens if more than one member is trying to stay sober. Yeah. Interesting. Brilliant. Are you going back to the theatre at all at any point? I am going back to the theatre. I'm hopefully to have a play in, in Dublin, unfortunately not London this year, um, in for the theatre festival. But it hasn't been officially announced, so I'm not, I can't quite say yeah. anything yet. But I'm hoping to go back to the theatre. But actually, television writing, because I write all the episodes, it's really all consuming. It feels like, it almost seems like you're doing nothing else. And you're like, I am doing other things. Yeah. But I just feel very lucky, Hannah, to be doing this. Because it did, it did take eight years it wasn't an easy show to get made. We didn't have a big streamer behind us. So we had to get, we had to have an, the Irish Channel and a co-production. And so it's just so, I'm just so thrilled that it's been, it's out there with beautiful cast. And and I think Paddy Bernat, the director, has done a gorgeous job. He's a brilliant director and he just made it feel really real. Yeah. Um, but he kept the comedy there as well, which was lovely. What I have to say is, and again, I think I said this when I wrote a review, is it's it deals with really high drama issues in a really low drama way. I only want to watch television that's like that, to be honest. That's exactly, that isn't kind of, and I think, but I think that's a very, that can be a hard tone to write and it can be a very hard tone to direct because mm. it means you have to keep everybody's performance at the same level. Yeah. And... I think that was something that we were like really conscious of. of how do you have a show that is about something very serious, but it is humorous. So, because I just didn't want to be making a show that was so depressing. So what you wanted to have fun and light, but actually yeah. was saying proper things. Yeah. And so we talked a lot about how do you navigate the the really dark stuff along with some of the more absurd light stuff. Because yeah. that's what I what I gravitate to as well. Yeah. Well, um, you hit the nail on the head there. Thank you. When do you find out about the BAFTA? When's that? BAFTA is on Sunday night as the BAFTA craft. This Sunday? This Sunday. Oh, wow. I'm going to say something that you don't have to agree with. It's something that Sally Wainwright said to me a long time ago, which was that she doesn't agree that the writers end up at the craft awards when everybody else, you know, the director and the producers and the actors, they all get to go to the big one. And the writer, without without whom none of this would be possible, is over in a, a specialist one. And uh, hopefully one day you'll uh, you'll all get invited to the right ceremony. Yeah, I wonder why. Is it just to keep the, the hours down or something? But, I, th- um, I think so. I think so. And I, I think, think it is. 
I think they think that they won't recognise the writer, so it's not like a famous face. But actually, increasingly, you know, Sally Wainwright, Sharon Horgan, people know who they are. People know, yeah. Yeah, people want to hear them do a speech because they're all really funny women. Yeah, that's yeah, that is true. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm, I mean, look, it's a night out, which <laughs> I don't get very often. <laughs> so I'm delighted, to, and, and an excuse to wear a dress and get your hair blow dried. So there, you know. Well, lots of luck. Yeah, thanks, Anna. Standard issue for all women.